Yo, 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 what's good, y'all? You already know the deal. Another Yang banging episode of the world famous, the award-winning Behind the Baller podcast brought to you in 8K high Doge finishing sound. You already know this is a Dust Brothers production. It's my man, Miles Davis, my man, Jordan Winter. This is a fully independent show. I don't know how much longer we're going to have this show as an independent show, but yo, I am your host, Ben Baller, not Ben Humble. Of course, you already know, the Forrest Gump of Hip Hop, the Korean John Cusack, the Korean Liam Neeson, Odey Sue, Mr. Bad Back. Yo, guys, it is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day in Tulum. Um, I'm here for our 10-year anniversary. Tomorrow marks 10 years that I've been married to Nicolette crazy milestone. We've been together for just over 12 years and it has just been, um, for the most part, a very, very amazing, blissful time. The last decade is, has been fucking incredible. It is without a doubt, not even any question, the best part of my life. And the crazy part is I'm still going. It's wild, y'all. Uh, I think about this and uh, the funny thing is I'm, I'm actually in my house recording this. Uh, by the time you guys listen to this, I'll be in Tulum. And I just think about, you know, the other night I had this talk of all things about Donda. And I jumped on a Donda Twitter spaces with someone from Genius, which is obviously a huge music site. Someone from Time Magazine also writes for uh, a couple other really, really big magazines. And other, you know, music music people. And, you know, I talked about the old school days when I was in the music business and when I was out, you know, just living wild. You know, sort of single, sort of dating, you know, whatever. Kind of maybe had a girlfriend, I don't know. Not really actually. And just had a different life, you know. And do I miss that life? Not at all whatsoever. It was very lonely and empty. And even if I had a different girl every night or every other night, whatever, it was just a different thing, you know. Um, you know, 12 years later, 10 years married, three children, greatest gift I could ever have in my entire life. Like when London was born, I cried my eyes out. Like when Ryder was born, I cried. When Kyle was born, I cried. Like it was a different level, you know. Um, I'd like to thank my wife for literally saving my life. Some people say, you got to love yourself. You got to do this. Yeah, yeah, shut the fuck up. Nobody's more fucking independent than me. In fact, my wife sent me a DM the other day about a disorder. It's like a, like a mental disorder. Like a, it's like this thing where you become so independent that it fucks with you. And every single symptom or, you know, part of the whole description was all me. But yes, Nicolette saved my life because I couldn't know. God knows what fucking I'd be doing, just doing stupid shit and whatever. There's stability. There was just so much, even though I must drive her absolutely fucking nuts. And I know I have driven her crazy. I just want to say thank you, Nicolette, so much for putting up with all the bullshit. And we have 10, 20, 30 more years left of marriage. Uh, it's crazy. You know, Nicolette's parents have been married for 40 years, which is fucking nuts, right? So it's just pretty crazy. I've got a very, very, very special episode today. We're going to get right into it. Fuck the dumb shit. I have my man, Josh D., who has done everything, was a fucking, you know, a nightclub. He did hosting. He did, he booked talent. He bought shows. He was doing production. He's worked in everything you could do 
in Vegas nightlife. All right. He he knows so much about different shit. He's in the music business. He was representing DJs um, and uh, owned a nightclub in San Francisco and just has all the stuff. But now he has a big mental health nonprofit organization called When the Music Stops. And I'm really hyped to talk about this because I think it's something that's fitting. And um, we're going to get right into it. This is an amazing thing. And I really think uh, not having social media, not having Instagram for over a month, it really put my my head in a different place. So, you know, I'm just glad I'm going to get to enjoy this. I feel different. I'm not going to lie to you today. You know, I woke up feeling crazy good. Yesterday I felt good. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just a weird thing. And, you know, most people should think you, you should feel good. You know, you have money, whatever, you have people who love you. It's deeper than that. You know, I finally felt satisfied yesterday. It's just weird. It was just a, a good thing. Mentally, I'm in a good place. You know, just, I'm always in a weird thing. You know, like I have this weird anxiety before I get on a plane and, um, and I fly so much, but I'm excited, you know, and I'm not looking forward to a fucking two hour drive. You know, it's two hours from when you land in fucking Cancun, it's two hours to fucking get to Tulum. And, you know, it's very boho, not my style, you know what I'm saying? Like, but I need fucking electricity and a lot of this shit. I'm not with that, all that fucking, you know, candles and all this other shit. I'm, I'm good though. We're good. Um, obviously, you guys will see on the Instagram stories. But I want to get into this interview with Josh D and when the music talk, uh, stops because my man really, man. Oh, you know what? I'm not going to spoil it. Uh, let's get into a commercial real quick and we'll be right back with my man Josh D. How are you going to find your new favorite piece of outdoor gear? If you sign up for a BattleBox, it finds you. BattleBox is your go-to monthly subscription for hand-picked outdoor survival and everyday carry gear. Getting the best gear for yourself not only takes time, but can be incredibly expensive. That's why BattleBox brings you name brand, high quality products every month at half the price of what they'd cost on their own. Just pick the box that works for you and get tested and vetted products you can trust that are selected by an expert team of outdoor professionals. From an Aquapod emergency water kit to an Atomic Bear survival bivy, delivered right to your doorstep each month. BattleBox has shipped over 1 million boxes since 2015 and been featured everywhere from the New York Times to Survivor's Edge. The K-Town Explorer, aka my RV, is packed with boxes and top brands like Tops, Kershaw, Spyderco, CRKT, Gerber, Bastion, and many more. Receive some of their top-tier products such as sleeping bags, backpacks, watches, and tents too. Sign up, receive, don't miss another battle box bonanza. And from now until March 31st, get a free mystery box worth $115 and more with any new subscription at trybattlebox.com slash baller. That's a free mystery box worth over $115 right now at trybattlebox.com slash baller. That's trybattlebox.com slash baller. All the choices you make in a day can add up. There's already a lot on our minds. 
the last thing we want to be spending is too much energy on what to wear. Cuts Clothing has perfected the art and sciences of men's shirts, so you can throw one on and look great without ever thinking twice about it. Every cut shirt is designed for a modern, tailored fit, and they're insanely comfortable. Plus, Cuts has all the essentials for looking sharp, like tees, hoodies, polos, and more. So you can stop bouncing between brands to shop for different shirts. Cuts keeps me clean always. I just bought their spring and Friday project collection, and they're fantastic. It's perfect for my whole family, too. They make it easy to mix and match styles and colors to keep me comfortable and looking good. They even develop their own fabric that will stand the test of time and won't shrink, pill, or fade over time in the wash. Plus, it's insanely soft. Join hundreds of thousands of guys who have made the simple decision to elevate their wardrobe with cuts. Get 15% off your first order by going to cutsclothing.com slash baller. That's C-U-T-S clothing.com slash baller for 15% off the only shirt worth wearing. It's the beginning of a new year, so there's never been a better time to get back into shape. But between balancing work, family, and life in general, it could be hard to make fitness a priority. That's why I use FitBot. FitBot's innovative algorithm learns about your goals and training abilities and crafts a personalized training regimen that's unique to you. Start the year off, like me, with 25% off a FitBot membership. Whether you exercise three days a week or twice a day, every workout is scientifically proven to be better than the last. FitBot even tracks your muscle recovery, balancing your workout plan with a variety of exercises to avoid overworking certain muscles. FitBot is super easy to use and even has a brand new HD video tutorial to make learning new exercises a breeze. It integrates with your Apple Watch and apps like Apple Health, Fitbit, and Strava. Personalized training can be tough on a budget, but FitBot is only $12.99 a month or $79.99 a year. That's $12.99 a month. Kick the new year off right and get started on your customized fitness plan from FitBot. Get 25% off a membership when you sign up now at fitbod.me slash baller. That's 25% off your membership at fitbod.me slash baller. Yo, yo, what's good, BTB Army? We got a very special guest. This is actually a dear friend of mine, and it's, it's a very random coincidence. I will talk about that now, especially because the day that this episode is dropping on, it wasn't planned. Um, a lot of coincidences come up between me and my friend. Um, we used to make jokes and call him Scott the fucking uh, Storch, but it's just because he's a, you know, a white boy who's in hip hop and he's been around so much. He's born and raised in Seattle. He was an executive talent booker for the Light Group and AMG. Stu was running the fucking show in Vegas at so many different levels. He was a partner at Temple Nightclub. That was a nightclub in SF. To tell you the truth, I've been to every club in SF since fucking the Sound Factory in 1991. They finally brought 
actual Vegas Hollywood nightlife to San Francisco. It's never been done before. Never, you know, there's, there's some clubs now, but I'm talking about Josh was one of the first guys that do this. He was a tour manager for Tiesto, who is technically the biggest DJ in the world still forever. And now currently he is an advocate for mental health. That is the reason why I have him on here strictly for that. Not because he's my friend, but because he is the founder of When the Music Stops, which is a full-blown nonprofit charity, you name it, to help people who don't know what to do, who need assistance, who are lonely. So many different things. We're going to get into all of that. Yo, Josh D, what's good, bro? My brother, thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it's always a different thing when I have someone who I actually know because there's so many people who, I say this, like, you know, there's no ego involved. I say this because there's so many people who want to be on the show. And it's not that, you know, um, there's like famous photographers. It's like, yo, that isn't, I mean, even if you do make money, there's just, I don't know, it just doesn't go with the flow of what I'm trying to do. You know, I have people who book me all, you know, hit me up all the time. Like Eli Apple, as much as I want to have him on the show, you know, and right now it'll probably be big because we'd break the internet because, you know, dude had, I don't think, I mean, I can't even think of a Kardashian scandal that had 200,000 tweets in a matter of a few hours. I mean, after the Super Bowl, this dude was getting destroyed, you know? And, and he asked to be on the show during the Super Bowl. I'm like, yo, bro, don't you got a fucking game, like the biggest game of your life to think about? Like, so I get people hit me up all the time. There's good friends. There's other people. Between like you, Homicide, I mean, it's been maybe a handful, less than a handful of like close friends of mine who've been on the show. So it's, it's real difficult to, you know, get them on. So I, I do appreciate you doing it on such short notice and especially because you don't even know what the fuck is going on. And I'm going to tell you in a second, but I just appreciate you being available. No, man, I'm, I'm, I'm honored and I'm always available. I mean, even if it was, if it was for the show, if it's for you, it's for the family, it, I'm, my phone is always on for you, man. It always has been. All right. You're actually in SF right now, right? Yeah, I'm here. That's crazy, man. So look at, this is random as fuck. As I've said in the intro, you obviously don't know this until right now. Tomorrow is my 10-year wedding anniversary, okay? Which is crazy, right? 10 years married, it's a huge milestone, but we've been together for almost exactly 12 years. And the reason why it's so weird is it wasn't planned. I was just going to do a real quick 30-minute episode, intro, outro, you know, have my little thing, boom. If you've listened to my show before, you know how it, it, it's been the same format. There's little, you know, different segments that we throw on here and there. I go months and months without interviews. Sometimes I do things, but a lot of people do not know this fun fact that you were there in the flesh on me and Nicolette's first date ever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, that, I was there. That was, it was, she was, uh, she was at some barbecue, like in the cut of Vegas and you didn't want to go alone. You didn't know what, what neighborhood what you, it was. Bro, you were you, like, yo, let's go. What are you talking about, bro? I was having a horrible date at Koi and I said, come pick me up, bro. I'm not going. Yeah, I, I tried I to dump her. You. I tried yep. to dump her and she said, are you fucking tripping? She goes, you're not, are you crazy? She's like, you're yep. not leaving me by myself. And I was like, look, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, fuck this date and I'm cool. It was just, I think the ego was too strong and she was just not having it. And she was like, fuck this. No, you're taking me to my friend's birthday, which happened to be, you know, a dude that you know from promoting clubs and shit. It was just random. Yep. It's just, and yep. you know, another random ass thing is there's these moments that people call Oprah moments, like, oh shit, like a big moment in your life. You know, you think about that, right? And I wouldn't say top five or top three, but I would say maybe top 10. There's some moments in that, 
two-day weekend when I came up to really officially stay with Floyd Mayweather and hang out with dude. And you're like, bro, I just want to be a fly on the wall. And I'm like, wait a second. Because, I mean, it was nonchalant. You're at your office. And I'm like, nah, dog, I can't, bro. I just, I need, I just need a couple hours to kill. I had a million dollars of jewelry in, on me. No, it was like it was like two and a half million. I remember <laughs> specifically. You had a bag of like two and a half million and you were sitting at my cubicle at the AMG offices and everyone was like, yo, what are you doing with Ben Baller with a bag of jewelry? Like they were, everyone was tripping. Do you remember the movie just to have to move? So fucking, first of all, they made us go to South Point Casino first to like pass like the screening thing meet up with Floyd's cousin. And then we had to convoy there. And then they're like, yo, who the fuck is the white boy? They made me, like, they made me leave my car. They wouldn't let oh, me drive right. my I forgot. car. Holy shit. I'm sorry. We, we had to go. I had to jump in with the security team. You jumped in with the cousin. They made me leave my car at the South Point. And like, I forgot they about took, that. They, they took back roads to get to the house. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. It was We, we pulled up to Floyd's $25 million estate and we had a fucking blast. And by the way, I feel bad because after I dropped off Josh, that shit went to, it, it was literally one of the top 10 moments of my life. Some of the moments that happened that night, which we can't discuss here. But like I said, total coincidence that you happen to be at me and my wife's first fucking date, let alone, you know what I'm saying? Who would have fucking ever thought, you know, all the shit that's happened in our lives and everything else. So, okay, bro. You've had well, wait, wait, really quick. Let me say one thing. There's so many moments that just unplanned. You and I have ran into each other over the last 19 years. Whether you know, I was at the Ivy uh, right after you bought a Lamborghini in at the Lamborghini of Beverly Hills and came <laughs> to dinner, and you were like making it rain at the at the Ivy. You know what I mean? Like right when you when you originally made the state California piece, I was there that week and ran into you, and you had the FBI bodyguards with you you know what i mean there's like all these different coincidences and we've ran into each other at like playoff games and and Fuck we've that. gone Hold to on. nba finals together everything. how about that i never put the 206 phone number together when my cousin's fucking born and raised in fucking federal way rest in peace rex i've had fucking seahawks season tickets now for 10 years i my father-in-law is a Dog, he knows the 51st player who's, he's probably listening to the show right now. He knows the 51st bench player. He knows the three-day contract motherfuckers on the Seahawks. There's nobody like, bro, are you, are you kidding me? You know what I'm saying? He knew what like high school Javon Curse went to. You know what I'm saying? Dude is just a beast when it comes to football. My wife was born in fucking Kirkland, Seattle. Like, are you kidding me? Ben, 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 I'm born in Kirkland. That's oh where shit! I, was born. I didn't know that. I was born in Kirk. <laughs> Nicolette no, was born not. in no Kirkland, right? There's a little Filipino community there. We were probably born in the same hospital. You probably she were was born at home. She said the there only was only hospital there is Evergreen. She said there's only that's one where hospital. I was born. So our Seahawks correspondent Scott Ferranda, he was born in Kirkland. There's only one hospital in all of Kirkland, and they had that yeah. conversation. I didn't know this. So all these weird ass little coincidences, right? Um, being at the playoff games. I remember that one game we were at fucking the year we won the chip and I fucking end up having fucking dinner with Sidney Rice. This guy's talking absolutely crazy and I have my father-in-law in the car and they're talking about eating ass and I'm like, dog, Jesus Christ, bro. You know what I mean? Because Nicholas' dad yeah. looks young, but it's like, fuck, bro. Yeah. So we've been through a lot. 
DJ AM event. DJ AM's five three he got you know in, in the plane crash with. I was with, there with, on uh, stage with you and Will I Am and the uh, LMFAO and all the rappers and Aoki and AM and Mark Travis Ronson. Barker and Mark Ronson and Travis Barker and everyone of like and that was just random and we were just there together all night. But even crazier, if if you think about like, oh, fuck man, that just kind of fucked me up right now when I thought about that right there. My sister was possibly one of the most famous actors in the entire world, stylist for 20 fucking years. Never, ever have I ever bothered this man. I've been to his house one time in my life, okay? Think about this. Not only that, he rented out an entire fucking racetrack so we can ride motorcycles. Never bothered this dude. You know, even to this day, like, if I were to see him, he, he would treat me with a lot of love, even though it's, you know, it's a weird situation because there was legal shit that was going on with Scientology, all kinds of stuff. But the fact that you were Tom Cruise's son's best friend for many years, that was the most random shit in the entire world because I didn't introduce you to him. I didn't whatever. It was just two so total separate things. That was fucking weird. Him and I met when he was 17 and uh, I became his business manager and then we just became, he's my little brother. Like I, yeah, I, talked no, no, this, I, know. I talked to him this week, like we've traveled the entire world together and he's like one of the most brilliant, intelligent, incredible and amazing humans. And I never put together that your sister was working with the family for 20 years until uh, you mentioned it and then he mentioned it and like, yeah, it's just another crazy coincidence that we're both connected to that family as well. Yes. And I think that sucks is I never told him this but for for a couple years he was trying to reach out to me just to say what's up say what's up and because of the legal shit between Katie and Tom I, I had to like I promised like I wouldn't even say hello like that's how fucked up it was and I felt bad and he's such a nice guy I don't think he understood and then finally I ran into him La Scala and I was like hey bro let's walk outside for a second and I'm like dog I'm sorry he's like hey man you know dude he's so I mean come on you think anybody fucking would ever know that, that first of all of course, he doesn't look like Tom because he's adopted, but like no one would ever think, you know, the way he lives, the way he is. And just anyways, so many crazy fucking things. I've never done an 11 minute intro to a fucking interview and the interview might be fucking <laughs> about the same length, but you've been around the world. You've experienced a lot. You have lived a lot of life. And how old are you, Josh? Uh, 42. In 42 I'm right, years. I'm I'm right behind you a little bit. Nah, bro, you got still got some ways, man. You're 10 years younger than homicide, you know what I'm saying? But no, I mean, yeah. you, you've lived a lot of life. You've got to experience a lot. You've got to go on private jets. You know, you've been, I mean, just seeing Tiesto do what he does at his age. Tiesto's what, is he fucking 60, 55? What is he? No, I'm <laughs> yeah, serious. Oh. I think he's 53. Oh, okay. So I, th I thought he was older than that. And a few years ago, you made a complete stop. You didn't pivot. You didn't. You didn't pause. You didn't. You know, take a timeout. You may. You push stop on your life story. Yeah. And I need you to do me a favor. Can you please tell the BTB Army what happened to you? Yeah. And how did you overcome it? Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Thank you for the incredible introduction. And um, yeah, no, there's been a lot of uh, so many coincidences in, in you and I running into each other and, and all these incredible things. So um, I was in the music and entertainment business for about 23 years. Um, I started out straight out of high school, like 17 years old, touring with uh, musicians and artists. And I was really blessed to go to like, you know, 20 some odd countries before I was even 21. 
Um, and then later on, you know, much, 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 much later when I was traveling with Tiesto, I was on his jet, part of his tour crew, um, for half the world. I mean, like, I mean, a lot of countries, but anyway, so I was an executive in Las Vegas. I, uh, was always working with celebrities, always working with musicians, always working with DJs and I never compromised. I'm, you know, I'm from Seattle and I, I come from nothing originally. So I've, I've always, all we have is our, you know, our swagger. All we have is our, our truth, our honesty. Um, so I'm, I'm Scottish and Irish and I drank for 25 years. I'm three, I just celebrated three years sober. Um, and, uh, I drank for like 25 years and I never got into drugs until the very, 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 very end, like right, like the year before I just didn't care anymore. And I started getting into like, you know, Coke and ketamine and, you know, DMT and weird, weird stuff like that. But, um, so that wasn't it. I was, I was just the lifestyle is really shallow and like you've been blessed. A lot of people don't know you have this crazy social media side, but a lot of people don't know you as a human being unless they've known you for a long time. And you know, you're a father. Now you've been showing that side a lot more with the, with the RV and all the fun stuff, but you're a family man. You've got, you're really close to your family. You're close to your, you know, you were close to your parents and your sister and everything. You've always been a family man. You've got, you know, your wife, as soon as you met Nicolette, she was the one, you know what I mean? You guys have been together. Like you said, your 10 year anniversary is coming up uh, tomorrow, you know, all these beautiful things. But so if you didn't have that, you would have been lost in the sauce. You know what I mean? And for me, I didn't have a wife. My mother passed away in 2013 in a car accident. And so I've just been traveling, living all over the place, living in New York, living in Spain, living in Las Vegas and crushing it wherever I was at. But I had no purpose. I had no meaning. And, you know, social media fuels this level of discontent um, where nothing's ever good enough. And, you know, when you're always on a private jet, it's and it wasn't my jets, but when you're always on a private jet and you go on a thousand vacations and you can make money and you can date girls and you can go here, you can go there and everywhere you go, you can tap into the celebrity circle or whatever it is. It's just shallow and empty and it's a really hollow living. And I finally, I didn't care anymore. And I just felt like it was a big black hole in my heart. And I was on vacation um, for New Year's Eve, I spent New Year's Eve, um, 2019 going into 19 from 18 in Costa Rica with like 40 of my friends and we were partying and everything. And, uh, I had like a, a nervous breakdown. I just, and I, I ran and I, I left and I, I, I just wanted to get away from everything. I left my luggage and my phone and everything. And I took the, I went to the airport and I took the next flight to Miami um, and I stayed the night at a friend's house in Miami. And then the next day, like no one had any idea of anything. Um, I, uh, after the family went to sleep, my, my boy and his wife and his child, they went upstairs, they go to bed. I, uh, went into their guest bedroom and in the guest bathroom. And while I was, uh, sober, I went, walked in their shower and I slipped my wrists. And I slipped my wrists, I cut my nerves, I cut my tendons, and I bled out for two hours. And there was like this whole unbelievable episode that happened because I had friends in New York that had to, you know, figure out what was going on. And they, they ended up tracking my cell location and giving it to the Miami PD. Eight cop cars came and the cops were absolutely speechless. I was there. They were ghost white and they couldn't figure out why or how I was alive. Medically, I did everything you're supposed to do to die. 
And so next, uh, I got in California, we call it 5150. In, in Florida, it's called the Baker Act. Essentially, it's when you lose all your constitutional rights and you're now a ward of the state and they take, you can't do anything without anyone, someone telling you. It's a pretty scary thing. Um, and they take you and that's it. And it's not just about harming yourself. It's you are now deemed a threat to the, the community. Society. To, just society, 100%. And so I spent seven and a half days um, in the hospital. My family and family and family friends had to get attorneys and like try to figure things out because my severity of what I did to myself um, was so bad that the hospital didn't want to let me out. And they didn't have to. Um, but they finally did at a certain point. And I got it. My family got me into, luckily, it happened in South Florida because unbeknownst to a lot of people, South Florida is number one for um, treatment, recovery, addiction, and mental health. There's over like two or 300 treatment centers and things like that. And a lot of places wouldn't take me because of um, how severe my attempt was. Insurance companies wouldn't cover it because there's a high probability that I would die within 90 days is what they say. And so I was going against the grain and I was just a shell of a human. I'd lost my spirit. I'd lost my soul. My eyes were sunken in. I had no will to live. I didn't know why I was alive. It was, it was, I was a sad sight. They put me into a detox and I was just really complacent. I was really nice. I just said, whatever, I just did it. And then they finally found a small rehab facility in West Palm beach. And it, it was only about nine or 10 men. They got me in there and within a first month, I'm there, I'm eating ice cream, I'm hanging out in this house, there's cameras and security guards and everything like that. It's, it wasn't a prison, but, you know, it was still full lockdown. And then, you know, the next, a couple hours later, my roommate dies. My roommate overdosed and died. And I was just like tripping. Like, you know, I was at one point, I was the, you know, the VP of a hospitality company at the Aria, the MGM and the Bellagio. And then here I am in a treatment center in Florida at 39 years old and my roommate just overdoses and dies. It's, it's a whole nother ball game. So I did a 90 day intensive program. I had, I didn't have my phone for three months, no phones, uh, no internet, nothing like that. They get you away from all that stuff. And most people either, uh, come in and go out. A lot of people go overdose. They, they die, whatever it is. I, um, I stayed for the 90 days. There was a GoFundMe in the industry, lots of friends and family and everything because I blew through like my cash and my savings that last year that I didn't want to die. I was flying all over the world just spending all my money. Um, FYI, that was one of the first times... That was, oh, sorry, that was the first time I ever put money into a GoFundMe. Two is one of the very few times ever that I ever contributed. I just thought really, it's a weird thing, but yeah. No, no thank you. And that was, it was, it was, a, it was special and amazing. And so a lot of people came together for me. And what I did to honor them and to honor myself was I graduated in 90 days and they said, okay, you can go home. And I said, well, what does it look like if I stay? And they said, okay, you're serious. And no one ever does this. And I stayed for, I went to a 90 day program and I stayed for a year. And at six months sober, I, they said, okay, now you have to go out and go volunteer. So I needed, I, it was the scariest thing I've ever done. I was the VP of a publicly traded company, flew around on private jets, and I had to go to a treatment center and volunteer, and I was so scared. And I, I learned how to listen to others and how to listen to people. And so many of us go through our lives feeling unheard 
Um, like, you know, especially on social media, but in life, a lot of us don't feel heard by our significant others, by our employers, by our peers, by our friends. We just feel like they're listening to the words, but they don't care. And so I, at first I went in and would tell the stories like, oh yeah, Drake and I, or Tiesto and I, or, you know, private jets and nobody cared. Nobody would listen. And so finally, after two months of that not working, I shut my mouth. And I learned how to listen. And that, that was at 40 years old, I learned how to listen. So I'd walk into a hospital or a treatment center or a detox as a volunteer. And I'd sit down with people that have just overdosed, people that just uh, wanted to kill themselves, people that just got a DUI, they just got their kids taken away. When you're really at the bottom and I would just say, hi, I'm Josh. Why are you here and what do you want? You know what I mean? And I would just listen. What do you want out of this? And I would listen for a half hour or an hour or two hours. And something magical happens because I wasn't paid to be there. Um, where once in a while, I got to feel like, you know, they felt heard. And that was when I decided I wanted, you know, I started looking in the mirror and I was like, okay. I need to help my community. I need to make something bigger. I need to use all these contacts, the Ben Ballers of the world, the Connor Cruz of the world, the Tiestos of the world. How do I use my 25-year network to help communities across the country? And I started looking into it. And there's about, I thought there would be a thousand suicide prevention organizations. There's only about 14 major ones. And 11 of them are owned by, you know, no disrespect to any of them, but uh, they're, you know, old rich white foundations or old rich white people or, or whatever that is. Right. And there's only a handful that are actually doing something different. Um, the Trevor Project, um, To Write Love on Her Arms. There's some smaller organizations. And so I would, and a lot of them are, you know, they're baby boomers. And, the largest uptick in suicide and suicide attempts is in the 10 to 24 years old. In 2020 and 2019, in that demographic, it's the highest it's ever been. So from 10 to 35, it's the highest suicide attempts and suicide completions there's ever been in history. So that's millennials and Gen Z. So, you know, you and I are not a millennial or Gen Z, but you know, we've got contacts, we've got heart, we've got all these things. And I'm not, a, we're not boomers. So how do I take that and try to build something fresh? And I was thinking, you know, what happens after a concert or after a festival or after someone goes to EDC? Like what happens when the music stops? And I was like, oh, that's a good name. And I wrote it down and I looked it up and nobody had a trademark and nobody had a copyright, nobody had anything. And so I got the name When the Music Stops. And I created it originally to be a podcast and I realized it needed to be a nonprofit organization. And the coolest thing is that I'm still learning. We just celebrated our two-year anniversary. Um, you know, we're at When the Music Stops on IG and the community's grown. And people like you and Connor have been some of my biggest supporters. You know what I mean? I, I don't want to get super into it, but Connor, Connor Cruz is donated and volunteer. I mean, he's done so much for us. It's, 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 and that's all behind the scenes. You know what I mean? Like nobody knows any of that kind of stuff and they don't need to. Um, but so many of my friends from the entertainment days have been amazing in, in supporting this, this. And so we've been able to do community events in San Francisco, um, in Los Angeles, in Austin, Texas, in Nashville, uh, Tulum. And then, 
outside lands from another planet. And anyone that doesn't know outside lands is like the Coachella of San Francisco. It's like 800,000 people a day, you know, massive stages, huge, huge bands and, and concerts and stuff like that. Tyler, your boy, Tyler, the creator just performed last year. Um, but they gave me a giant uh, tent. They contacted us. We did suicide prevention. We brought in DJs and hula hoops and we just were creating community. And it's just, it's been a really beautiful experience. Um, I'm now three years sober. Um, Temple Nightclub, shout out to Paul Hamming at Temple Nightclub because I put all my money, all my savings, all my loans into when the music stops and a lot of donors and donations and fundraisers were able to do the same thing. But um, I ran out of money a few months ago and Paul from Temple said, hey, keep doing your community work. I'm going to give you a salary. Just give me a couple of days a week and we'll, you know, work part time. I'll pay you full time and just keep spreading the word and, and keep doing it. So there's a lot of incredible people that have been able to step forward to help me find new ways using music, creativity and the arts to help people with their mental health. Bro, first of all. I love that you gave the most thorough, detailed, articulate answer. And I knew that you had attempted to take your own life. Didn't know the details. Kind of put me in a fucked up place right now. Kind of, you know, gave me the chills. I've had that moment before. I've talked about it. Like, yo, you know what? It's very few times I've wanted to, you know, I've thought about it. And the crazy part was it was during some of these recent times. I was like, yo, man, I just, you know, like, why the fuck do I feel like this? But, you know, you fight it. There's a battle every day for life and things. And, um... Even the posts are very powerful. When I look at, you know, when the music stops and I look at those things, I just like, damn. So, you know, one, I commend you because you figured it out. You know, um, sometimes it could take 10 minutes, sometimes it could take, you know, or a lot can happen even in 10 minutes. You know, a life can be taken in seconds. You know, um, there was a purpose, there's a reason. I've lost two of my best friends of my entire lifetime. You know, one being Jonas, uh, other one being Q. One, you know, obviously through medical shit, another one through, you know, drugs. And it's, you know, we live that fast life and and I've seen it. The only thing is you've never stroked me as, as a person like that. And the funny thing was, Connor was the person that was reaching out to me and telling me about the, the whole situation. Like, you know, maybe a day after, or when people kind of first figured out, he hit me up. He's like, hey bro, he's in Miami. You gotta like, you know, this is what's going on. He didn't get into specifics, but he told me, you know, like obviously like the energy was there. Um. I was very grateful to come to your When the Music Stops seminar, speak the conference and things and everything. And I would love to obviously talk more about it on the show and maybe, you know, even have some sort of, you know, I don't know if it's annual or, you know, bi-yearly talk about it. Because, you know, I do discuss mental health a lot on here. And I didn't want to get too deep into it. I just wanted to you to share your story because you're somebody who a lot of insider people know. Now, a lot of, you know, the, the, my listeners, people who they might idolize might have done business with you. You know, you're oh, not yeah. necessarily like that type of person. So it's like from the For background, sure. you've helped a lot of people out, right? I'm not going to say names, but, you know, there are people who, you know, didn't make very much money in Vegas, but they're living on comp lives. Boom. And, you know, you helped them out, gave them lodging, you know, gave them a job. Even like, you know, I thought about that night and I didn't realize until right now. That night of me and Nicolette's first date, when I had enough of that fucking barbecue birthday party in like Henderson, I'm like, yo, dude, we're getting the fuck out of here. We're going we to fuck. To we went, we went to excess. No, we went to, we went, wait, no, I'm sorry. We went to excess. We went to, 
We went to Hayes and Excess. We went to both. And you're like, yo, look at Doc. I've only heard of him. We were never friends. We became really pretty good friends after that because of you. I never knew Jesse Waits. Never knew Cy. You know, you introduced me to them. Hung out. And that was the night of the Hudson Jeans party. And I took the music off, remember? And then there, after that, there was a fucking sign at the excess door. They had a fucking, they had a goddamn corporate meeting at excess about how Ben Baller will never be allowed in excess ever again. And it was fucked up. And there was a sign. That was crazy. Know? I can't night. believe that they had, someone had to get out of the room and be like, hey, just so you know, your name was mentioned in a board meeting at the win at excess. You know, and I'll get into that story later, but it was just funny because that night was so nuts and like I had a great night. No, that night was crazy. Started out terrible. I'm with Josh, all this stuff. We drink a champagne, boom. And then I leave in a taxi and Nicholas kind of like, yo, why the fuck are we? And I'm like, babe, I'm not trying to sit because it was such a movie outside. There was a fight going on. My boy from Crooks and Castles. It was just such a crazy night. I was like, let's just jump into this fucking taxi. First thing I could fucking get into, boom. I stole a taxi from someone because I don't want to wait in that line. Drop off Nicolette at Mandalay Bay. And I'm like, this could be a fucking great night. And one of my favorite songs coming up, a Smokey Robinson song, she really got a hold on me, came on like in the taxi and she's like, turn it up. And it was just, I'll never forget that night, you know? But going back, when I think about what's good in my life and I think about the people that I actually care about, you know, I mean, I have so few people on my private page as it is, you know, you're one of them. So it's like, think about what you've done. I have so much going on in my life that when... I do stop to smell the roses, think about like, damn, you know, I'm blessed, man. I'm, I'm really glad that Josh is here. He has something that, that, that is, is one of the most meaningful things that anyone could possibly do, right? There's people who do things, but it's like you went full fucking, like you went Rambo and said, fuck this, I'm about to go. So can you tell me what are your goals for when the music stops? Amazing question. Thank you so much. And, uh, and yeah, no. And by the way, I just, I want to say that, um, I mean, even since the, you know, the ice days and everything for the past, uh, 18 years, you've, whether it was on MySpace, whether, I mean, you have always been approachable. You've always been fine. You've always kept in contact. And if you changed your phone number, you'd slide me the new number. You know what I mean? Like, and what's crazy is I might not call you every single day, but we know that we could pick up the phone. You'll be like, Hey, let's go to dinner. Let's go to a game. Let's do this. And you've always been there. And you all, and whenever I've asked you for a favor, which is almost never, you, you know, you've, you've done it. And, and, you know, without question. So I, I want to thank you nah, man, for on, no matter how big. And what's funny is you were always Ben Baller. A lot of people don't realize that you were Ben Baller in the nineties. You were DJ Ben Baller and you yeah. went through all these phases um, you know what I mean? Because there was magazines and Friendster and MySpace. Like you were already huge back then, but now it's like a whole nother level, and you still keep in touch with you know people like me and like friends and family and stuff like that. And so that that's amazing, you know, because you've you're in the stratosphere right now. It's it's pretty wild. Um, but so moving forward, goals. Um, first of all, my first goal is the biggest one is I'd like to. I look back at the D.A.R.E. program. This is going to sound wild. And a lot of L.A. heads will really remember this, you know, because if you went to school in the last 30 years, you had to do the D.A.R.E. program. It was federally mandated. And the D.A.R.E. program they did a lot of things wrong. 
but it, it started in, in, in South Central in L.A. in 1983, and it was the police chief at the time and the gang task force, and they were trying to get – it was the weirdest thing. I don't know why they started with elementary school kids, but they wanted elementary school, school kids not to join gangs. And so it went from that into this uh, don't do drugs campaign. And so for me – I look at everything they did right because the Dare name and logo and the iconic red and black t-shirt ha- is synonymous. Like everyone knows it. Like whether you're young, you're old, everyone knows Dare. But it, everyone gets a chuckle out of it because they would come in with a glass case of every kind of drug and be like, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And it sounded like a you know a lot of kids were like, well, that sounds fun. I'm going to try it. So the program didn't necessarily work, but I loved how iconic it was and how it grew. And so my dream has always been, what if you did it right? And it's not an anti-drug campaign, but what if we created a brand that was iconic for millennials and Gen Z and the next generation that's bigger than me? And that's honestly why I did the red and black. A lot of people don't know that, but that's why I did the, no one's actually ever asked, but I did the red and black as an homage to D.A.R.E., but my program, what I want to do is I want to help uh, middle school, high school, college kids, and those in our, their 30s and 40s as well. But I want to help the youth. Uh, I want to find a way to fuse mental health and music. I want to get to the point where we got you know X amount of millions of dollars in the bank. And I'm like, yo, Ben, I want you, me, Kid Cudi, and Tyler, the creator, to go to the Los Angeles County School District. We're going to do a concert for every middle schooler in L.A., I've got the Coliseum on deck. It's going to be 20,000 kids. And we're going to talk about mental health for an hour and do a free show. You know what I mean? And that's my goal, goal, goal. But then what I really want to do is write, uh, help work with educators to write a mental health education program that is just accessible and is ran by a brand like us that kids respect and love. You know what I mean? We're going to festivals. We're going to clubs. We're going to parties. That's all cool too, but you also got to take care of yourself. So it doesn't take much, just a little bit of education. You don't need to do your dissertation on mental health. Just a little bit of love and a little bit of nature and a little bit of nurture goes a long way. And so I really want to be able to find something and get to a point where you know, I can hire a better team and grow this operation where we we become one of the top national suicide prevention organizations, but we're known as a music brand. So we're going to festivals, we're working with artists, we're working with musicians, and we're working with kids. And in that process, something magical happens where suicide prevention and mental health becomes cool. And I, and that sounds like a, a very boomer way of saying it, but it just becomes like something that is like every day. When you came and did our summit in the city last year, you were sitting next to Nikki Blades and you were sitting next to this unbelievable spoken word poet. You guys were cracking jokes on stage and people wrote to us and said that that was one of the most powerful and iconic hours of the whole day because they got to hear from these social media celebrities about their real lives. Now you're snapping jokes, but you also were, were serious and honest and vulnerable. And that's what it's all about. That's when people can relate when they say, wait a minute, Ben Baller, he's like, you know, people are rapping about you and ASAP Ferg and Ben Baller did the chain and all this kind of crazy stuff, one point trillion followers and you're doing deals with tops and like all these incredible deals, gold plated uh, barbecue grills and 
But at the end of the day, you also are a father and you have anxiety and you've battled depression and you're a human being. And just having you sit on stage, make a couple of jokes and talk about the real truth of it is what resonates with people. And then they reach out to us and they say, thank you to When the Music Stops for providing a platform for Ben to come out and be honest. And I know that you have the the podcast, which you're honest on every single day, brutally honest. Um, But to be able to have some a stage where people can come and listen to that is really important to us. So I'm going to announce that right now we haven't done anything, but our, and I want to have you there. You know, I haven't, I haven't even asked you yet, but our third annual. I kind of almost lost you right there. I don't know if the internet is going to go out real quick, but the, the gist of it, the most of it came out uh, June 25th. When the music stops, enormous. We're doing it in San Francisco. Where are you doing it at? San Francisco at the SF Jazz. Okay. Where can people find this organization? Break it all down right now. Absolutely. So our biggest community is on uh, Instagram at when the music stops, but we also are when the music stops underscore on Facebook and when the music stops dot org. And everyone is invited and welcome to message me, DM me, or email me at josh at whenthemusicstops.org. And I've had a lot of people that have reached out that are suicidal. And sometimes I need to pass it off to the hotlines and things like that. But there's been so many times where I'm able to just listen to what you're going through. And, you know, we kind of get through it together. So I'm available and accessible to people, anyone that's hurting. And right now I've been able to help hundreds and hundreds of people personally. And I'm, my, my phone is on, my DMs are open and my email is there. So I'd love to be able to help anyone that's hurting or that is struggling with understanding about somebody that they lost recently. Brother, can I tell you how much I appreciate you coming on here and talking about something so important before we go, I have no choice, but to give you one more fucking weird coincidence. I don't fact check, didn't know anything. I just know what I know. I was in the very first ever in history, the first D.A.R.E. class ever. Officer Gay, that was his name, the founder of D.A.R.E. I'll never forget the last name because how fucking can you forget that last name, Gay. Dude came to our school. You know where I grew up in Great Town and shit. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And I was, I thought it might've been 84 or something, but it was 83. You know, like you said, it was either 83 or 84. It I think was it was, I, I want to say it was 84 just because of where I was in my life. And I remember, cause I went to a Prince concert that year. Anyways, bottom line is fucking crazy. Cause I was That's in the first, first ever dare class. And I remember later on as evolved in different areas and shit, I'm like, yo dude, I met the founder and people are like, yo, I mean, he really did a big thing. I know just what you're saying is true. It became like a Tyler Durden thing type thing where no one even knew what the fuck was going on. Boom. And there's just, you know, a general fucking, you know, idea of what they were doing and it wasn't executed properly, but at least the, the sentiment was there. The um, sentiment was there and it grew to being, it's in like 60 countries. Come on, it's dog. like it's one just, of the just saying, but just brands that, in the world. That t- I still have a dare t-shirt somewhere. And you know, the other day I went to Starbucks and there was a dare like little, you know, person out there, you know, you want to buy a shirt? I was like, yeah, sure. Let me get that shirt. But Josh, listen, man, love you, bro. 
Thank yeah, you so you, much. Man. Everyone, make sure you go check out When the Music Stops. You can just Google When the Music Stops. You're going to figure it out. It's so fucking weird that the random ass shit that happens in our lives, that you live in San Francisco. I lived out there. I still have a place out there. I just go back and forth. Just the random ass shit that, that goes on. Then on top of that, you got a nonprofit organization. I had one for nine years in fucking Seattle. Okay, you know what I mean? FriendlyEarth.org, founded in the fucking Soto, bro. Like, what the fuck? Just so random as fuck. Anyways. Y your wife and I were probably born in the same hospital. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was born in 83, bro. So like, you know, it's crazy. We're talking about 83 again. It's just so random. Um, Josh, thank you for coming on, man. Yeah, and, appreciate um, you, brother. Definitely, yeah. we'll, we'll definitely talk about it some more and, and have you back on and have some other people on from the organization. And uh, right about now, Miles, nothing awesome, Lakey Lake. It, ease the mood real quick there we go yeah just like that and we'll be right back y'all hey y'all tax day is right around the corner on april 15th it is so important to file taxes on time and to have the best accountants having your back if you want to have the best in your corner then call levy pronounced levy and associates Established over 30 years ago, they are family-owned and third-generation. You'll get hands-on experience with people who care and want to help. I would like to announce a special offer for the BTB Army. Call 1-800-TAX-LEVY, 800-829-5389, and mention Behind the Baller for a family discount. They offer any services that are related to taxes, such as if you have not filed, you owe money, you want to start a business and more. They have CPAs, attorneys, former IRS officers, and accountants on staff. Just so you know, using an automated program online to do a tax return can lead to a possibility of losing out on tax benefits. Always, always go to a professional. Call 1-800-TAX-LEVY. That's 1-800-829-5389 and mention Behind the Baller or go to Levy taxhelp.com today that's l-e-v-y taxhelp.com and go there today because you do not want to sleep on taxes tax days come btb army man that was fucking heavy um i knew my boy josh had tried to uh kill himself i just didn't know he slit his wrist i thought he was did drugs or some shit. That's just the craziest shit in the entire world. And you know, um, I'm glad I've got to see him a couple times since then. I've got to see him through the pandemic and stuff and everything. But ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know that there's a war going on right now, every time I hear some things like that word war, like there's a war, I think of mob deep, right? And this is more serious. Um, so Russia has now attacked Ukraine last night. It is uh, serious shit. And, uh, you know, there's all kinds of talk, there's this, that, and everything. And I don't really have a big opinion about it. I have an unpopular opinion, and um, uh, I'm going to kind of describe it right now. And people may, you know, not like it, I assume that, but I'm going to articulate as best as I can what I'm trying to say. Whether there's shit going on in Haiti, if there's something going on in Russia and Ukraine, if there's something going on in the Middle East, wherever it may be. We got so many fucking problems that are going on inside our country. You know, trying to fix problems and help others outside of our country 
it'll make sense because we have so much responsibility and shit that needs to be cleaned up here. Sending out troops and everything, whatever. How about we protect? That's cool to have allies, but there's so much that's fucking fucked up in the United States of America. So I just feel like, and I say this all the time, take care of your responsibilities. If everyone just took care of their own responsibilities, be a different place. And right now, we got issues here. We got homeless. We have fucking all kinds of shit. There's hate, all types of things. And we're going to spend billions and send some people to go fight for some people that, you know, I mean, maybe they would do it for us. But what I'm getting at is I would love to see our country stronger, united, less hate, fucking solve homelessness. I'm being dead ass serious. We have too many problems here to fix, to be worrying about anything else. Now, anyone offended by that? Look, it's real simple. Go fuck yourself. If my aunt, uncle, grandmother was in Korea and there was an issue with Korea and there was a war going on, boom, look, we got shit here to deal with. If I could figure out a way, I'm going to try to bring them over here, boom, and bring my family. I know it's easier said than done for some people and some people don't have that. But I'm, what I'm getting at is we are here. A lot of people like to shit on the United States. You're fucking here because there's opportunity here. And all I'm saying is we need to fix a lot of shit here before we start helping anybody else. But, you know, all this stupid ass talk with Trump saying, oh, that know what happened on my, during my administration. Man, shut the fuck up, Dick Stain. The fuck is you talking about? Like you had any fucking control, man. Like you're, dude, you're fucking Vladimir Putin's fucking bitch, bro. Like stop the bullshit. And not that I fucking give a fuck. Like Joe Biden, he's not like he's doing a great job. It's just crazy that there's so much other shit that we could worry about in our country. Sometimes you gotta be selfish and take care of yourself, okay? So I know it's an unpopular opinion. I'm just saying that there's a lot of things here. There's people who don't have education, job, whatever the fuck it may be. There's disease, there's all kinds of shit. Spend that money and strengthen the United States. We can go out and do some shit when it gets to become a threat for us. And I know we should help people out, but you know what? We gotta help ourselves out first, all right? How the fuck are we going to help somebody else out when we're, almost, we're drowning too? So we all drown? Nah, that ain't how it works. Okay. Anyways, that's that part. I also wanted to say something. You know what? Just because you're really good at something does not mean you're ready to be a leader. I heard my man Swagoo say that on the Swag and Perk podcast. And I was thinking about it. I was like, yo, that is the fucking truth. Now, the crazy thing is I can't really teach and tell people how to, you know, mimic, copy the moves I've made. I just know how to get to the bag. I know how to market. I know how to do certain things. I could talk about things. Some people could pick it up. Some people can't. You know, if you heard the business of hype, the Hype Beast podcast with Jeff Staple, he dissected and broke it down, did a good job. I don't know if everyone else could understand, but if you're around me and you see what I'm doing and you follow what I do, then I think that there's definitely, you know, you can get to the bag that way. But I'm just saying, I, just because I'm good at certain things don't mean that I'm good at teaching people at it. So that's why I have the podcast. I just try to spit what I know. I know it comes out in so many different ways. And I'm, you know, I'm all over the place. I'm left, right, southwest, east, west, you know, northwest. I'm fucking up, down, left, right, you know, 
Um, I come in all different directions and I jump all the time. But I just wanted to say to you guys, man, I really, 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 really do care. And it irks the fuck out of me when people misjudge, misunderstand what my purpose is, you know, on earth. I do care about you guys. And I could fucking have all kinds of random people on here. I could have a rapper on every single week. Not what I want to do. Right? And so I'm glad that Josh came on here. It went a little longer than I wanted it to. I know it gives my producers a little more difficult time because, you know, we're on a short time because uh, um, obviously, you know, I'm leaving town to uh, celebrate my anniversary. But, you know, I do care. Never in, you know, I'm sorry, shouldn't say never. In the last 15 years or so, I've never ever wanted to hurt anyone's feelings intentionally, maybe by defense, and I've just changed a lot of my ways, right? I don't believe in bullying. If someone hits me with a bat and I come back and shoot them, you can't call me, you know what I'm saying, a bully because I didn't attack somebody first. I don't do that. Stick up for the people I love, and I just want you to understand that, you know, I saw this thing that's going on with Safe Moon right now. There's some celebrities in trouble. I told you motherfuckers about Safe Moon, you know. And there again, right there, I just jumped to something totally different. But I really do want you guys to reach out to Josh. If you're going through it, you know, no matter what the fuck is going on, your life sucks. Everything is going wrong. Look, man, there's got to be one person somewhere that doesn't want you off this earth. So, look, man, some days are better than the others. I just know that. Stay around. Stick around and see what happens. People say all the time, oh, wait for it. You know, uh, watch till the end. You never know, man. Things change. You know, score a basketball game. You know, you know outcome you know, of, of your cancer, whatever it may be. Stick around. Fight, man. Make it worth it. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, this is not your practice life. I mean it. And anyways, um, appreciate you guys. I got something special for you guys on Monday. For more of the new listeners who ain't really gone back and whatever, you know, for the OG guys, look, man, consider it. It's a vacation. It's my 10-year anniversary, so it is what it is. I did watch Bel Air, um, watch the first four episodes. It's good. I can see why people like it, but there's a lot of bitch-assness that I just, just like, fuck, man. There's a lot of Hollywood in it. Then there's a lot of things, like if you think about, like, Will Smith, who he is, you know, who he is for the last 30 years, and then, you know, you watch the show, you're like, what the fuck? This kind of hardcore weird but i get it you know it's um this is definitely more watchable than the original first fresh prince to me because i wasn't a big fan of the show and i told you that i could watch it if it's on but like no i can't remember like you know an entire episode of, of fresh prince of bel-air that i've watched but yeah no the show's cool carlton is definitely a fucking bitch ass motherfucker he is a fucking sucker like i don't fucking know but anyways guys i will be back full-fledged one week from today don't do anything crazy, you know, you will see, you know, me enjoying myself, obviously for my close friends and family, there'll be a lot more content on my private page and on my close friend stories. But yeah, man, I appreciate you guys. And, uh, you know, show some love to my wife, man. You know what I mean? 10 years she put up with my bullshit. And uh, yeah, appreciate you guys. And um, I'll be back in a week. All right. So, yo, Lakey, what is the rush, bro? 
like you, you playing music in the background and I'm like I'm like come on dog like <laughs> I'm trying to you know I already cut this outro kind of short nah it's all good man I'm at Lakey Lake is just well, excited to play that music and um, yeah we're out of here y'all so I'll see you next week have a great one y'all <laughs>